Beloved brothers and sisters of our Lord Jesus Christ, the recipients of the first letter of Peter were experiencing much suffering and persecution. Or, if Peter, by the inspiration of the Spirit, was able to foresee what would happen, they are about to undergo a fiery trial, and Peter is preparing them. Consider, for example, what we read in chapter 1, the verses 1 and following. It says, Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who are elect exiles of the dispersion in Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia. Peter is writing to exiles, exiles of the dispersion, it says. That means these brothers and sisters have been forced from their homes, from their towns, from their businesses, from their families because of their faith, and they are literally on the run. In general, they are suffering, or they will suffer, various trials and afflictions, economic hardship, etc. The times in which Peter was writing were terrible times for Christians, and no doubt caused much worry and anxiety and panic, and maybe even doubt and loss of faith and confidence in God, and perhaps also division amongst God's people. Now, though we would admit that our problems today pale in comparison, there are still many similarities, brothers and sisters. Today, the current COVID situation and the concerns all around are very real. There is also the ongoing legislative agenda, especially federally, regarding conversion therapy bans, selective abortion, euthanasia, medically-assisted suicide, and so on. As Christians, we are truly concerned. We are worried. We are maybe even anxious and fearful for the future. So when Peter writes to encourage the Christians in their earthly trials and sufferings, let us take note. In chapter 5, he's encouraging. You see that before our text. He's encouraging, first of all, the elders, the leaders of the church to be strong shepherds, willingly leading the flock of Christ. These leaders are to bear the burden of the congregation's needs, not only at the best of times, but especially when there is stress and affliction. They must protect the believers and present themselves examples of selfless sacrifice. Peter also teaches the members, you see that next in verse 5, to, to the younger members, particularly to submit to the elders. It's the younger members who are more tending to throw off authority. And especially in times of suffering, they should submit to the leadership of the elders. The unity within the congregation 
will help when resisting the attacks from without. In other words, the proper exercise of the office and the respect for the office is needed, especially in trying times, in order that believers may persevere. And what is required further is now seen in our text, and that is humility. Humility toward God first, but then also to one another. That's our focus this morning, brothers and sisters, as we look at our text, that humility is needed in times of trial and suffering. It is with humility that you will be able to suffer well, and that through suffering grow in humility. So that's how we will listen then this morning to God's Word under this theme and heads. In your suffering, humble yourselves before God. That's the message. That's the summary. In your suffering, humble yourselves before God. We'll see three things. The act of humility, the basis for humility, and the reward for humility. So first, the act. Peter is exhorting all the members of the church of Jesus Christ to be humble. He says that. Clothe yourselves, all of you. Peter is using word, a word which means tie a piece of clothing to yourself. Or to put on an apron. And in this case, we are to put on the apron of humility. Slaves often wore aprons over their clothing to distinguish themselves from the free men. And so Peter is saying Christians should be like that. They ought to tie on humility to their conduct so that everyone will be able to recognize them as servants of Christ. Another way to translate clothe here is cover yourself. Cover all of yourself. So in other words, put on the coveralls of humility. And who wears coveralls, brothers and sisters? They are the persons who are not of high standing. They are the general laborers. So just as Jesus prepared to wash his disciples' feet by wearing the towel of a servant, of a general laborer, so too believers who submit to one another are wearing the garment of humility, the apron or coveralls of humility. Humility is a Christian virtue. It's one of the fruits of the Spirit alongside compassion and kindness and meekness, beside patience and forbearance and forgiveness and love. Humility means to consider another person better than ourselves. Now, Peter is supporting this instruction by quoting from God's Word. He quotes from Proverbs 3, verse 34, 
where it says God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. That was a very popular biblical proverb in the days of Peter. James himself also quotes this same verse in his letter. Pride was a problem. It's always a problem when a human is involved. Pride means we put ourselves first and consider ourselves better. We think highly of ourselves and we deny and limit the power of God in our lives. But as we also prayed this morning, without God we are nothing, brothers and sisters. We deserve nothing. And so humility is when we acknowledge this. And we're willing, therefore, to serve God and to serve one another and to consider others better than ourselves, to put ourselves last. Now, that's not only true of human relationships. That's also true of our relationship with the Lord. Our attitude toward God is going to determine how we live as Christians in all situations, including our trials and sufferings, which is the context. When we have a proper attitude toward God, then we will suffer well. Therefore, our text says, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God. That is, subject yourselves to God in such a way that you put your confidence in God alone. Be completely dependent on Him, trusting Him for everything. Be fully aware of your own insignificance. As one commentator puts it, the believer possesses nothing he has not received, is nothing but for the grace of God, and apart from Christ, can do nothing. Beloved, if we attribute anything to ourselves, what we're actually doing is robbing God of His grace and power and glory, and we are, in fact, standing against Him as adversary. When we start to rely on ourselves, then we also become anxious and panicky. No, says Peter, trust in the Lord, trust God, understand His power, and rely on it. In our text, Peter quotes Psalm 55. He is quoting a song of David here. A song in which David is describing deep despair and anxiety that he was experiencing. That's why we also sang from this psalm previously. In Psalm 55, verses 4 and 5, we read, My heart is in anguish within me. The terrors of death have fallen upon me. Fear and trembling come upon me, and horror overwhelms me. You see, David's not just merely a little concerned in his time of trial. He's not just a little worried he is in deep despair. He is watching, in fact, his beloved city fall 
because of civil war. He is watching the city of God being destroyed inwardly due to sinful turmoil of his people and is thus in deep anguish. But that's not how David ends. That's not the note he ends on. Verse 22 says, Cast your burden on the Lord, and he will sustain you. He will never permit the righteous to be moved. So here you see the verse that's being quoted. Peter therefore uses this scripture to implore his readers to hand over, to give up, even better, to unload, to dump, to throw upon God their worries. To cast all their anxieties on God. To place God in the midst of their confusion and worry. And to show trust and confidence in Him. As it says in verse 23, the last part of that verse in Psalm 55, but I will trust in you. He can do that in part because God is going to cast down all his enemies, cast down all his troubles, as it's stated in verse 23. So Peter makes use of this psalm to help his readers through times of difficulty. This morning we can also consider the words of our Lord Jesus Christ, who teaches us in Matthew 6, not to be anxious about our life. Not to worry about what we eat or what we will drink or what we will wear. Not to worry about tomorrow. Says Jesus, that's what the pagans, the unbelievers do. They do that because they have pride. Because they seek strength from within. Because they have no biblical humility, they rely on themselves. They do not trust in God. But we believers should know that we are not in control. God is in control. Our calling, therefore, in every circumstance, good or bad, health or sickness, poverty or riches, is to seek the kingdom and righteousness of God. We should listen to this teaching of Jesus. We should listen to the one who said, I am gentle and lowly of heart. He is our true leader, our true office bearer, the great elder of the church. And that brings us to our second point where we now consider the basis for humility. Peter says that we should be humble because of who we are and because of God and what he has promised to do, that is to care for us. Peter says that we should cast all our anxieties upon him. Why? Verse 7, because he cares for you. You see, humility is an act of faith, of trust. And beloved, 
we have every reason to have such faith in God. Listen to what John Calvin says about this verse. As soon as, soon as we are convinced that God cares for us, our minds are easily composed to patience and humility. I'll repeat that. As soon as we are convinced that God cares for us, our minds are easily composed to patience and humility. And that's not true only for our relationship with the Lord, but also for our human relationships. Once we have become convinced that a person truly cares for us, then we are able to submit ourselves to their guidance and protection. Says Peter, as well, humble yourself under the mighty hand of God. That too is biblical Old Testament language. In this case, it's describing God's rule in regard to Israel. In some cases, that means God's hand of discipline, His loving hand of discipline, but also His loving hand of care and deliverance. This same mighty or outstretched hand delivered Israel from Egypt, delivered the Old Testament's saints from distress, and also exalted His own Son. That's what we confess we are so completely in God's hand that without His will we cannot so much as move. Beloved, when we recognize God's sovereign power over our lives and His providence, then we see it is the way to humility and we enjoy God's grace then in suffering and we experience peace and joy and calm, comfort and hope. And thus we can, with confidence, turn over to God all of our worries. Being humble means casting all our anxieties upon Him. Verse 7. And when we read that word, anxieties, what is meant there? The word means literally to be drawn in different directions. So this is pointing to confusion. This is pointing to situations where we don't always know what to do. Where the one thinks we should do this, the other thinks we should do that. And that has a debilitating effect on many of us. It can result in loss of confidence. It can lead to doubt and lack of faith. These unbearable burdens of anxieties, concerns that we sometimes experience usually accompany suffering and persecution. We wonder, for example, how long is it going to last? How much is it going to cost financially and physically? How much will it hurt? Will I endure it to the end? These are genuine concerns, especially in persecution. God, through Peter in our text, is urging the suffering believers 
to place all these burdens, these anxieties in his almighty hand. Oh, we need that encouragement in our times of trial and suffering. God is an all-powerful and controlling God, beloved. He is an all-wise and all-knowing and all-caring God. That's how the scriptures portray him. We need to trust that God is acting, therefore, in every situation, in a just and faithful manner, and that he is doing it all for our good. The believer who puts his trust in such a Lord knows that God upholds this world and is in full control of every situation. Such a believer with joy can sing, this is my Father's world. And that is the kind of trust that our Lord and Savior demonstrated in His life. Though He was God's eternal Son, the Bible says He humbled Himself even, or He humbled Himself all the way unto death, even death on a cross. Don't forget for a moment, beloved, what our what trial our Lord Jesus Christ went through in this world, in his life, and especially as he faced the cross. How he took the form of a servant. There's that word again. That is, he clothed himself with humility. He did not assume a position of glory. Understanding his exaltation lay in obeying his Father's will. Thus Christ, in the end, died on the cross for all our sins so that the Father might express His love and faithfulness to us. Beloved, our Savior Jesus anguished and despaired for us. He bore the weight of all our burdens for us and He remained humble so that He could die on the cross for us. Now we are called in our text to trust and obey God in all circumstances. To live by the promises of God in His covenant of grace. Yes, not to live by sight, but to live by faith. As it says in Hebrews 13, keep your life free from the love of money and be content with what you have for he has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. So we can confidently say, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear. What can man do to me? Hebrews 13. The knowledge of the love of God, his care, his divine providence, his mighty hand, doesn't lead to constant anxiety and stress and paralysis or laziness, but to a quiet faith that is content to wait upon the Lord for rescue. It leads to confidence and obedience and joy in every circumstance because it is on a solid foundation, a solid basis. 
persecution maybe doesn't adequately describe our situation and context today, at least not yet. Still, there's much trial for us, much trouble and threatening situations currently that can lead to anxiety and worry and fear. Let us, beloved, in this moment, trust in God. Let us cast our anxieties upon Him. Let us obey His will because God will keep us in His care. From the Scriptures, we know that tribulation and suffering never ended Christian faith. It never ended Christianity. Instead, God used it to strengthen and spread it. As we read in Matthew 6, your heavenly Father knows what you need. Just look at the birds of the air. Look at the lilies of the field, the flowers and the grass. God takes care of it all. But are you not of much more value than they? Absolutely you are. You are through Christ Jesus the covenant children of God, and He will take care of your body and of your soul. That's the solid guarantee of God's faithful covenant promises and word. And upon that, our humility and faith is based. And when we have such faith, says our text, we will also be blessed. And that's our third point, the reward for humility. We always worry about our worries and anxieties, about the current and possible future sufferings that we might endure. And the danger is, the very real danger, is that we might, or think or worry that we might lose our courage to persevere. We know that our humanity has limits but that's exactly why Peter now encourages his readers and tells them that God responds to their humility with reward. That is, with exultation. God will never forsake his own, but often in time he will lift them up and give them victory. That's what we can now read also in our text that we are called to be, to be humble because in due time, God will exalt you. At the proper time, He may exalt you. God will protect us. He will provide for us. And He will keep us alive. But most importantly... He will keep our souls. We will be kept in the faith and He will never desert us. That's what we sang in Psalm 37 where the psalmist teaches us not to fret because of evil men but rather trust in the Lord and do good. Delight yourself in the Lord. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust in Him and He will do this he will bring forth your righteousness as the light and your justice as the noonday. Psalm 37. Or, as we read in Psalm 55, cast your burden on the Lord 
and he will sustain you. He will never permit the righteous to be moved. Is that our experience, beloved? Was that the comfort of those in previous generations who were occupied by foreign nations, who languished in concentration camps, or today whose lives in God's kingdom are being restricted or who are about to be put to death for their faith? Was this a comfort for their loved ones? Was this a comfort for those who faced jail time for standing up for the truth, for who were persecuted or marginalized or faced illness or economic hardship? Was this, was this a comfort for those who faced death by fire, by burning at the stake? Well, in fact, for many Christians, it certainly was. It is true that God will exalt us and lift us up when we put our trust in Him. God says, at the proper time. Verse 6. That could be interpreted as in the return of Jesus Christ. Meaning that all true believers who humble themselves before God, who even in the end die for their faith, don't expect God's blessing until the future life. That we are not searching for or expecting an earthly reward, but a heavenly reward. God promises to the persecuted Christians a spiritual heavenly life in the kingdom of Christ. The kingdom that we look to is not an earthly one, therefore, but a heavenly one. And yet, at the proper time, can also refer to our present spiritual state of contentment and peace and obedience. Yes, our reward today for humble submission and faith is that we can be regarded as a child of God, as one who is great in the kingdom of heaven. Through faith and in trust, God will lead us to that state already now in this life so that we are ready to face anything that comes our way so that we can rejoice always. Let us conclude this morning. We have seen in our text that for a Christian there is a right and proper way to suffer. From time to time, then, it's good for us to be asking ourselves and of one another, do you know how to suffer? Are you good at suffering? Beloved, there's no better time to ask right in the midst of trial and trouble. Through Christ and His Spirit, we become good at it and, and we learn to suffer well. We can be humble we can be patient and trusting. We can be confident in our Heavenly Father who cares for us and who is in full control. We can entire, entrust our entire life and our well-being into His almighty hand. We can cast all our anxieties upon Him. 
Amen.